0: Welcome to our Perimenopause What The F Podcast, brought to you by the PERI community. In this podcast, your host, Rachel Hughes, talks everything, and we mean everything, perimenopause. She helps us navigate through all our What The F Perimenopause moments and all, is this normal? Questions. Rachel talks with perimenopause experts, thought leaders, and inspirational voices of the community. To connect with other perimenopause warriors, download our free PERI app. You can find the link in our show notes. And now let's dive right in. Hey,
1: everyone. This is Rachel of Rachel Hughes Midlife here with another episode of Perry Talks, where we like to deep dive into all things perimenopause and menopause, bringing you the science and the sisterhood. Today I am speaking with Natalie Bonafe, an end-of-life and menopause doula. Natalie works with women in perimenopause and menopause who are looking for clarity, self-care, an understanding of who they've been, and an understanding of how to pivot towards the life they can't yet see in midlife and beyond. She comes alongside women ready for change, but uncertain as to how to begin to take steps towards a life they are trying to envision. Natalie's work with people facing death had made her especially sensitive to and empathetic towards our second season desires. And I have no doubt this will be a particularly thoughtful hour. For future episodes, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And now let's get started. Oh, Natalie, can you, can you, can you hear me okay? Yes. Can you hear oh, good. me? Well? I can very well. Um. Before we begin, Natalie, I just want to in, be sure that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Is it Natalie?
2: No, the H is silent.
1: It is silent. So it's Natalie. Correct. Oh, good. Okay, perfect.
2: And, and most people a, call me Nat.
1: Oh, oh, is that what you'd like? I'm happy to do no, that. No, it's
2: up to you. Okay. It's, I, that's I the like Natalie. It's like oh. if you feel comfortable,
1: then won't so be You will say my it.
2: name wrong. You will okay. Say- <laughs>
1: okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us here and welcome. Let me please introduce you. Um, this is Natalie Bonifay, is that correct? Yes. Okay. After earning her PhD, Natalie moved to the United States to pursue a career in biomedical research. She enjoyed a successful 25-year scientific career that took her through prestigious institutions such as the National Institutes of Health, Yale Medical School, and the biotech industry. Natalie outgrew her corporate affiliations and tapped into her true purpose, working as a women's health advocate in menopause transition and as an end-of-life care consultant. So, Natalie, you are a menopause doula and an end-of-life doula. Is
2: that correct? I am. Yeah. I think I really started by being an end-of-life doula, and I found the need for a menopause transition doula.
1: Tell me about that. That's, that's a curious Pivot to be in one thing, and I'm I'm wondering how you sort of recognized or or found menopause conversations particularly interesting at the very least.
2: Well, sure, Rachel. Um, can you hear me well?
1: I can. Thank you.
2: Um. So it really started for me as you know, as a biologist, as as a molecular biologist, you know, looking into. Uh, the details of things how the mechanics of things at the microscopic level that's really what um, what really motivates me you know and has motivated me since the very beginning and uh after some transition and after honestly reaching the glass ceiling in the corporate world i was 47 you just you know, I'm sitting in <laughs> the third of the timing. I was 47. 47. I was, yeah. you know, retrospectively, I could say I was at the beginning of perimenopause, I'm now 55. Hmm. Um, and um, you know, I was like, I need to see, you know, what is my purpose? What am I here for? Um, what do I want to do? And I became absolutely, um, Inspired by uh, uh, people working at the end of life, but not necessarily at, um, uh, in the healthcare industry. So not necessarily, you know, like nurses or or, C, uh, or CPAs or uh, not CPAs, um, CNAs or physicians. You know, I was not the healthcare professional that we usually see, and the need for accompaniment, accompaniment. Mm-hmm. You know, around after um a diagnosis like mm-hmm. you know a, a life-threatening condition mm-hmm. accompaniment you know through whatever treatments and through the end of life and finding peace uh, fascinated me and, and it connected very much with who i was inside mm. and i i found um i just i just i was just good at it i was just uh, able to to and look at things analytically, and also um, dive into the emotion, and people would, uh, would talk to me. People would open up, and through that practice, which is, you, you probably know, birth doulas, or, you know, birth doulas are being supported physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, before birth, at birth, and after birth um the young mother well the same thing at end of life personally i was more into the the beginning so they would like the time of diagnosis the before the during and afterwards i focused on grief uh some end of life doulas will focus more on the during and after i was always in that educational or like basically supportive presence and um uh, kind of role, non-medical uh, mm-hmm. doesn't mean I could not, it doesn't mean I cannot read the charts, right? I worked right. on cancer research for years, you know, a lot of people um, okay, have cancer. Um, so that was the aspect. And uh, and when I was working with people at the end of life, and essentially I've been working with women, um, I found that a lot of women actually had not made peace with with their midlife transition. And I found that we had residual, so there were chronic diseases, a lot of pain, a lot of things that were just uh, had remained unsaid, Mm -hmm. unprocessed, and that had to do with Uh, the changes at menopause transition, Um, one of them being also the link or potential link that is being explored now, which is the link of uh, dementia, that affects dementia, Alzheimer's, that affects women uh, more than men. So out of three patients with Alzheimer's or dementia, two are going to be women. And scientifically, I ran into the research of Dr. Lisa Mosconi from pre-pandemic. I would say 2017-18. I ran into an article linking, potentially linking, the what the brain had gone through energy, the energy, um, the glucose processing in the brain. Um, there was a huge difference between the perimenopause or the pre-menopause and post menopause
1: in terms and, of the brain yes mm-hmm.
2: the brain which is our center of command mm-hmm. so i was like how come at the end of life i'm seeing a lot of people a lot of women particularly who have a hard time deciding you know um for themselves this self determination that you know we we want for all the girls for everybody but For the children, we want them to know what they want, to express it properly. Well, I found that this was lacking in the elderly. This was lacking. It's like, okay, well, whatever happens to me, you know, I leave it to other people to decide for myself. And this is what I came across. And I was like, there is something between the brain and this self determination. And I started digging into that research. And as I was going through perimenopause myself and experiencing doubts, um, anxiety, lack of self-confidence, or loss of self-confidence, or maybe never have any self-confidence. Sure. Uh, 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 self esteem and you know, this anxiety that was like, you know, who am I? Where am I going?" That was what I was, I was experiencing during perimenopause, helping uh, a, a woman. You know, in the last phases uh, of their lives, um, I was like, there is there is something to explore, and I'm branching out. Also, what helped me decide to go into menopause, so I did the research for myself. Uh, I learned to advocate for myself. So, how can we advocate for ourselves at the end of life, right after fruitful life? How do we do that if we don't learn this earlier? Of course, we could always learn this as children, but with Generation X, so we need to, you know, take things in charge. And there was no resource. I could find no resources uh, when I was going through that um, phase in my life. So five, six years ago, five, yeah, and I, I kept. Uh, kept saying, you know, also what I was seeing is that uh, because as an end of life doula, I work with the family. So when there is no family, it's I work with the client, right, client, patient, you know, I, for the person who is experiencing that transition and is, is is trying to find peace for like what they've done during their lives. Um, that's what makes a good death. And The daughters, i worked with a lot of daughters. I still work with a lot of daughters. And guess what? If a parent is in their 70s or 80s or 90s, how old are the daughters? Right. Between 40 and 60. Yeah. And that's that coaching them to care for their loved one was also a revelation for me. It's like, how do I care for my mom? And there was, again, I was coaching them and I'm still coaching them. And he was like, just need, we just need at that stage in life guidance, but not necessarily somebody who's going to tell you what to do, but somebody who's going to empower you, who's going to say, you can do that. Here's what to watch for. Here's what to expect one step ahead of the next
1: yeah this is fascinating and i have to say i didn't imagine what the connection might be for you working with people um as they're leaving the world and being able to um sort of mirror it if you will to the years in perimenopause and menopause. So I was wondering what what is the connection there for you and you've laid it out so well. And I first have to say, I can only imagine how helpful you may be. I can tell you're enormously empathetic and sensitive and warm and careful, but you also have this scientific mind and background, clinical mind and background, if you will. And so the two, um, meeting and, uh, caring for others is a, is a very, um, sort of special, uh, experience for that, for the, that those individuals and their families, I'm sure. I'm curious now, as we sort of look at end of life care, and then you're, you're picking up the mantle, if you will, um, for women in perimenopause and menopause, if you could sort of explore with us, given all that you've learned and all that you've assessed and the people that you've worked with, um, sort of lay out for us what you do. What you do when you meet. First of all, I wanna. I I don't I don't wanna hover too much around the end of life care only only unless it 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 is it is something you want to share certainly i find the issue around death in perimenopause and menopause and sort of that connection you're making between loss of confidence um you know sort of lack of self determination doubts anxiety all of those things creeping up i don't i didn't i Focus as much as you want or need to around the end of life. But if you could sort of share for us what you might do, I just lost my pen cap, what you might do coming alongside women in perimenopause and menopause, who you are seeing um, to be experiencing all of those things. Sorry, that was a long, very long-winded way of saying, tell us what you do.
2: Um, you know, Rachel, uh, I'm not here to talk about the end of life, but I found it to be very informative Please,
1: and, really and I is. found
2: the parallel, you know, in the field to be, uh, to be interesting and especially yeah. around, uh, midlife. So take around midlife. Um, we're starting to, if some of us started young, uh, but we're really starting to, uh, experience, um, people leaving us, mm. right? People, you know, getting sicker and, 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 and uh, um, dying. Mm-hmm. And so this is, there is a lot of grief that, during um, so let's say, let's say 51, right? The, the, the menopause. You know, for 40, 50 years, we've accumulated experiences, and some of them are beautiful, and some of them are pretty traumatic, can be very pr- traumatic, Um, And uh, that grief we know accumulates. And the grief is like, could be people who have passed away, but it could be a job transition generates grief. Any change that is affecting who we are could be, uh, 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 so talking about transitions could be a job change. It could be a relationship. A lot of divorces happen. We're talking about mental health, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people switch jobs around that time. They also often uh, being, you know, considered older. I mean, at mm-hmm. forty seven, I was basically too expensive, you know. So it was easier to hire mm-hmm. two people for my job than to keep me going because they would have four hands instead of two for a high, you know, price tag. Um. Uh. Relationships, you know, like friends that come and go, um, marital uh, uh, relationships and others. Also, children, children growing up, you know, not being able to have, for some women, not being able to have more children. They're in their Mm -hmm. 40s. They like, they started late. They really want to, too. And then, and then I'm finding that this is grief around not being able to continue to give life, Mm. you know, it's a, it's a feeling, it's, 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 and it's, uh, it's right feeling, but where is there room for listening to that? Mm. Where do we find room? Yes, we can absolutely go see a therapist, but in the context of, of transition and menopause and hormonal changes, uh, we also found that, I also found in the literature that women at midlife are a lot more prone to um, experience the fear of death, not necessarily for themselves, for their loved ones than men. And it has to do with the estrogen leaving the body and not being produced and affecting the brain. So everything is connected. So what do I do for women? Um, Well, take the example. One time I was uh, supporting a friend. Uh, who was going through mastectomy, okay? She had the bad genes, right? She ready to be, to avoid developing breast cancer um, and an ovarian cancer. So she had a hysterectomy, she had her ovaries removed. The woman is a doctor. The woman is a palliative care physician. Mm. And um, very pragmatic, you know, go get that surgery, that treatment. So she was having the mastectomy, two breasts. Mm. and the first week she had her sister come to her house to help her because she was not married Uh, she had a dog and so the sister came after surgery and spent a week with her then she had her best friend come and come the second week and then I was there the third week Mm. and she was feeling better but after this she thought that by the third week she'd be able to take the plates out of the cupboards and help herself or um to plate some food but she could Mm. not
1: Mm-hmm.
2: she could not and that's vulnerability so what did I do for her well I was able to take the plates out I made coffee I, I make sure that she was comfortable I walked her big dog <laughs> but really when I asked her at the end what is it that I did for you you know what is your your, your, your feeling and she said it's not about what you do and the services that you do in substance that she said. Um, it's who you are. And it's, it's the fact that you can sit with me, you could sit with me and listen to me and hold space for me and help me process, process and help me process all those dark um, feelings of being vulnerable, being sick, you know, questioning who I've been until now and where I want to go. And you were able to hold me tight and allow me to get to the other side. So it's more acting as a catalyst. Hmm. So does it make sense?
1: It does make sense. And it's very poignant to me. I think I've said this a lot. Uh, I think many of us in this community have shared at one point or another that there is this psychological piece that, you um, is a conversation that may be missing more um, around perimenopause and menopause. And it's often the piece that is the first to show up, the loudest just to sort of be. And we struggle a lot with how to address it, how to feel better. And I'm thinking of this woman's comment that you were just able to hold space for her, excuse me. And I think that's what, not always, some people may not relate in that way, but I I do think there's something um, just unique to this season of life for us that requires a different or an elevated degree of care. Um, an attention to ourselves that we may not have recognized, we may not have given for the last fifty years because we've been attentive to others or just have sort of, you know, been uh, going on about our our days and our years. And suddenly, we're feeling derailed psychologically. So I'm curious. And I, again, I I think your, your work is so unique, but I'm curious, are most of the women you work with in perimenopause or are they postmenopausal? I've
2: worked with both. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I tend these days to work more or to be um, found, right? Mm -hmm. To be found Mm -hmm. by women in perimenopause because we're starting to have some buzz around it and they're starting questioning, you know, where am I at? Um, where am I at? And and there is a whole range, you know, like early perimenopause, we're still like in denial, right? Mm-hmm. So it's to be towards um, the middle and the end of perimenopause, which could last, you know, really, I would say, as symptoms intensify for a lot of women. I don't want to generalize, sometimes it's brutal, sometimes it's spreading. Uh, But the consciousness, the awareness, the consciousness is is, 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 we're getting there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say two, three years, two, four years before menopause. And that's where I think it's the most useful because they know what goes on. That's why, you know, when I work with, with a client at end of life, I don't like to work, you know, the week before because there is nothing I can do. Right. It, but I don't work very long with people mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. At, at menopause. Mm-hmm. I don't work more than, you know, overall, I don't work more than 10 hours, 10 short, uh, 10 short sessions. I don't need to. I did 10 years of therapy. Okay. Because mm. so it's different from therapy, it's very different. And I think having a therapist is 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 absolutely, you know, critical for a lot of women who like to talk about this type mm-hmm, of things, mm-hmm. but for me, it, I come where I say, "Where are you? Who are you? What are you feeling? Yes. What do you want to do? What do you yes. want to do?" You know, and and the listening—not just give me your symptoms. I'm going to give you a solution. I have ideas for solutions, but I need to understand where the person is in her life, mostly you know, women or their lives. Um, I need to understand. I need them to vocalize who they are and who they think they are, and what keeps them alive, and and including things that they discovered throughout, you know, even through childhood, things that they had to give away or give up because you know there is motherhood, there is work, and like music, like in working with a woman, um, and her job has nothing to do with music, and. Uh, struggling a little bit at work questioning you know not fitting in really or not knowing how to ask for help and then um and then said but what what, what excites you you know, we say that with kids don't we yes As yes yes we want the children tell us what you love let me add mm. you. we've never had i've never had anyone tell me <laughs> Natalie, what is it that you want? Yes, one time. And it was a very hard question to mm-hmm. answer. I was at the, and, and the thing is like, it's, um, where was I going with that? Uh, it's this, who are you? What excites you? And all this thing, this woman like music was like liberating and freeing and, and reconnecting with her past loves in, in terms of you know options like that or, It's telling me who they are and what their values are. So for me, I don't do, I go, I dive right into it. I get into the meat of like, tell me who you are. So I do a life story. Tell me what you've done. Tell me who you are deep inside. Tell me uh, what hurts and what your fears are. And then we dissect things out and we really get to the center of it. And then they find the answers on their own because I just fill the gaps, like educating where they need, and then they go on their own. So they don't need to work with me uh for a very long time. That's what right. I like about it. It's really like a catalyst.
1: It's very intense, yeah. N- Natalie, I'm this is so interesting and very helpful, I think, because so many people um might actually get to this season of their life and and really not be able to answer some of those questions that you're asking. And I'm wondering, and maybe it's too hard, everybody's different, but what are some of the sort of struggles? And the reason I'm asking this is because I, my sense and my desire is for anyone who listens to this call to have perhaps felt alone and realize that they're not and one of the things or much of what i think you're addressing is this um sort of ability to to encourage women to kind of look within and assess or reassess determine who they are determine what they might have left or lost and take steps forward into the second season of their life but I think if you can't get to those, if you don't know what the answers to those questions are, it must be particularly difficult to take steps forward. So I guess I'm wondering two things is one, if you can give us an idea a bit more, what women you work with are sort of facing or asking themselves or addressing or thinking about where they're sort of feeling stumped. Um, And then and then maybe um you know what you unpack with them what they might discover so this woman discovered she had this love for music but i think internally what are we sort of ready to discover about ourselves it's
2: a <laughs> That's big a question
1: i know <laughs> it's a lot all
2: right well several things that come to mind um uh, um, there are a lot. One of the things that I find women I work with want is um, just don't want to be reassured. They just want to be reassured. I'm finding that what's really healing and what's really helping in any sort of transition, whether it's grief, work, etc., they have all sorts of coaching. Is like the feeling of feeling heard and feeling seen. And mm-hmm. what we lose with, with our estrogen, you know, uh, 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 not hitting the, the, the receptors in the brain. So we're talking about, you know, the heart, the, the muscles, the skin, you know, all of this, but the one particularly hitting the brain, where we, we the brain estrogen is, is instrumental in, in the synthesis of neurotransmitters. So we need that in order to make those decisions. So what happens, you know, the brain slows down, we get this fog, you know, brain fog, because our receptors are not being fed with the molecules and, and it's not being, and, and we're feeling stuck. I mean, it's, there's a biological reason for it. It's right. nothing personal and they need to know that. So that's why I do the education. So they feel stuck. I felt stuck, okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, feel stuck being anxious, being unable to move forward, Mm. Um, you know, going back into some of the old grief and we are not even talking about trauma. So I've come across a tremendous amount of trauma. So the more trauma, the more symptoms, Mm -hmm. okay? It's directly, there is a direct correlation Uh, When I started saying things like that, people looked at me like I had um, probably a third eye, you know, like three (laughs) eyes um, when they looked at me. And um, so it's, but trauma as a perceived, right? As a perceived fear of danger, as a perceived, you know, something that has changed the, 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 the nervous system. Sure. It doesn't have to be, it can be, but it doesn't have to be, you know, war type of PTSD. It could be mm-hmm. a lot of childhood trauma. So these things come back. And unless this person finds a safe place, a brave or a safe place to be brave and to speak it to a stranger mm-hmm. who is kind and empathetic and yet non judgmental. Very where- important. Non just and it's a little bit different from the therapist. Yes. Again, there, there is a place for therapy, and it's wonderful. You know, you can have CBT, all sorts of things. Absolutely, they have the proper tools, and they can do it for you. But it's the before you can go see, you know, do some CBT, you need to understand that there is a biological, um, uh, uh, that it's not you're not going crazy. There are some biological uh, reasons for feeling that way. And you just need somebody who's going to hold your hand, like you would hold the hand of a child to, to take you through that, what do you want? Do, 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 would you like to feel better? Now you've identified the problem. Let's identify one of the problem. And you could work with a, with a, with a, with a counselor or the therapist or an acupuncturist. you know, to, um, the next stage and to advocate for yourself if you want hormones, right? Right. But I was me- going to ask you about, about that. About yeah. Is, mm-hmm. so basically, give birth to or, or let these emotions or past traumas or, or frustrations or fears uh, that are often perceived, right? Perceived danger, um, not necessarily actual danger. Right. But but it doesn't mean it's not real. The, the nervous system has adapted and is making us believe that we are lost, we're stuck, um uh and, and, and we don't belong. So the part of belonging, and that's why what I bring is is that I I'm like a professional friend. I like saying that because it's true. I start coming and in synergy with them, then they start expanding and, and opening up to the world and finding their tribe and getting out of that um, mud. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And it doesn't have to be just perimenophobic. I like that time because I think they can save years of struggle. Okay. But, um, women can come to me afterwards. I've worked with women in their 60s because what the work that they haven't been able to do, you know, in, without drugs, for instance, without hormones, you know, it's still languishing in them. And they have all sorts of chronic pain because they haven't dealt with the pain to start with. The chronic pain that is just languishing, that is affecting their quality of life, and they still feel young, they still want to have sex. They still want to have, uh, you know, people around them. They still want to, to, to experience joy and they're not dead. Uh, right. And they want that belonging. They want that reassurance. And we're very good in this country, in this, um, to, yeah, in this country, to um, in this Western world to, to nurture the children to, you know, college, you know, just mm-hmm. the helicopter parents. But what happens to the one in the middle? If we do that, then by nurturing women, not only will they find their self-actualization, which is once, you know, but let's make sure they can get there and they feel safe. And and then they will be able to accompany their children better. And they will be able to accompany their their parents' generation better. I mean, right. it's a win-win. They be able to work better, to provide for themselves. To me, it, it it's really beyond the the helping women. It, it's, sure. it's helping us evolve. It's helping women, you know, and men evolve as a species. Mm.
1: Yeah. You know, I had a talk last week with somebody um, and and there are some... Sort of similarities here about uh, issues around trauma or um, childhood adverse um, experiences, and then how we sort of get to this point where our hormones start fluctuating, and there's this conflation of of the 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 stress of going through perimenopause and what that might bring, sort of meeting the past or the past kind of meets it. And um I want to connect you with that person. If you not, if you aren't already, I think you would you would have much to to share. Natalie, now pivoting towards sort of Helping women to reframe and sort of uh, recognize with new eyes, move forward, take steps forward. So you come alongside someone, you create safe space for that person, you become the professional friend. But I think it's it's you know you're really illustrating it's much more than that. It's much more layered and nuanced than that, um, and. They say to you, um, you know, I feel I feel different, I feel better, I feel ready for something. What is then next? How do you sort of you know c- continue to help that person take steps forward now?
2: Well, that's 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 actually a very interesting question because as I you know working you know, in service or yeah, of service. Um, I tend to. Uh, I'm finding, in terms of services, I'm finding that a single consultation is really not is not really not working. I'm really that's why I created that program. And you know, it's ten sessions. I'm not cheap with my time. You know, maybe it's my default. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, meeting like ten times for an hour. Fifty minutes, an hour and 15 minutes is, is really, it's people start changing at session eight. Mm. There is a shift between seven, eight. And so what I'm finding is that, you know, at the end of the 10th session, they're ready. They're ready. And they may need something else afterwards. What I'm finding is they need something. else. like, I'm working with I've been working, it's, and it, I have not defined what is it that I can offer there, because I want to be, you know, I'm not doing this um, for extremely lucrative reasons. I'm, but I would like to find a model that would also allow, you know, a, um, um, a follow-up. Well, I generally do follow-ups. So it's kind of part of, like, I do follow-up a little while later, but and I watch them. They, I watched them evolve and, and I'm very proud of them. Um, I haven't found the, I haven't found the tool yet that would be, they still can come to my menopause cafes but I have to stop that professional relationship. Mm. Like with one woman, um, you know, I've continued working Um, with her in different, you know, she took my program and then felt a lot better, but I happen to be her healthcare representative because she's older and she Mm -hmm. doesn't have any family and children. So basically we've continued working in a different relationship. So whenever she has a a health issue, you know, we connect or we're in touch that way, but she's paid me for that um, um, service, but it's still, it's very much a continuity. And then, with another woman I've worked with, you know, I've closed that. And, um, but in part of her job, she's introduced me to her company where I'm going to do, you know, a series of workshops and um, on menopause. And the relationship has shifted. But with some women, we just close and that's it. Um, So I'm not sure what how I can frame it. You know, I'm a scientist, so I experiment too. I know that the one consultation doesn't really work for anyone. It's not It's not enough time to dissect, to really listen up in two hours. It's barely enough for me to understand who they are because things stop coming, you know, after five, six, seven hours of work together. Um, but I also know that there is a need for maybe a follow-up um,
1: Yeah. And, and Natalie,
2: I don't know the format. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't
1: mean to put you on the spot about that. That wasn't so much what I was. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't so much inquiring about, you know, what your sessions might look like or something like that. I was really just sort of more curious in broad strokes and maybe it's just too hard to sort of define because each person you, you meet with has a very different experience, different needs and so on. But I think the idea, the sort of broad strokes that you laid out about um, self-esteem, uh, about anxiety, maybe depression, grief, these things are, are principles that touch us all. And so I'm I guess I'm just asking once you uh pivot alongside someone. To uh, maybe some sort of uh, reconciliation about things of the past, or relief from from things of the past. <clears throat> Excuse me. What is then next for you I- I- in working with with anyone?
2: For me, it's just uh, I just encourage them
0: mm-hmm.
2: to have to have they've gotten it. They mm-hmm. they in charge, so mm-hmm. I don't need. They don't need me. I don't need them. I, I've accompanied them. It's really that company, and i am watching them go away, run their lives. And mm. this is this is all they need. And
1: what does that look like for them? I'm curious for any oh of you
2: feeling like
1: ah, oh my I feel God. all of that way. What is what does the other they, side look like? The
2: other side is incredible, Rachel. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm not smiling here. It's <laughs> you know, it's It's their skin change, their behavior, they're they're less guarded, they're more open. They're Mm. thirsty for life. They are thirsty for life. They are are thirsty for knowledge. They're thirsty for love. They're thirsty for meaning. It's it's, it's absolutely incredible. And And do they then, I imagine,
1: feel less fear um even about their own mortality right exactly. to connect it to yeah yeah and
2: yeah. then they can you know as i was saying for one of them it's like okay well i, I want to be reassured about that you know will you hold my hand mm. would you be my end of not that i'm looking for that but mm-hmm. and if there is a question uh, about you know partner or themselves or they can come back and consult with me about grief or how sure. to how to get through the other transition, but anyway, the way they feel is they find and they find their tribes and they find their resources For right. me, it's like I haven't had children okay
0: mm-hmm.
2: and 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 it's like it when I always believe that when you have children you, you know, they they come out of the nest and they go fly up there on their own. It's like I see that with the birds, right? This is Well, you, so how, you
1: hope so. <laughs> you, you hope that I think that's the, the goal, kingdom, but yeah. <laughs> the
2: animal kingdom is, is is very good for that. Yes, teaches uh, a lot. Uh, and you watch the the birds right now and and they're going to watch the the, the nest and the eggs and then the, the 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 little bird, you know, coming out and and the parents watch them fly. But well, this, is, this is, to me, this is what I watch. I mm. watch not because they, there is no um, parent or, 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 or children relationship, but I feel like I'm that person who's watching those women fly of their own, with their own wings and going where they want to go. There is nothing more extraordinary.
1: Oh yeah, it must be quite something, um, Natalie. I'm I'm curious. When I looked at your uh, website uh, in preparation for meeting with you, I saw that there were some things that you um, you shared that you will go over with uh, someone that you're working with. So I'm curious, what are sort of like the top three to maybe five things that you will address with everyone? And and I'm thinking right off the bat. One of the things I think you mentioned was, was nutrition. So what are those things that you want all of us to be attentive to as we kind of navigate the season of
2: life? So one of the things is, okay, once you, 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 you've expressed yourself and you look, you get to a certain point where you have done your life review, right? You're feeling freer to actually share the things that you do for yourself. Um, the people you connect with, who, who are the people, you know, do they do you feel good with that? So those hmm. relationships are extremely important. Um, their self-worth, well, we've already talked about that. The nutrition, so as a biochemist and as a French you know, Mediterranean girl, <laughs> although I've lived longer in the US, still have my parents in France. So, the, the food uh, is extremely important, especially we talked about the brain. And the, the people have a hard time talking about what they eat. There is a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around what people uh, put in their bodies. Um, you know, is it right? They're afraid to be judged. So by mm-hmm. that time, they're not afraid to be judged because they know I'm not going to judge them, right? they are addicted to chocolate or to whatever there is no judgment mm-hmm. now but i go and i explain what the brain needs we've talked about the brain whether you have hormones or not again you need to feed your brain with proteins and whatever is going to work for your brain is going to work for your entire body right you need proteins whether they animal there is need for animal but uh, and and uh, and vegetarian proteins Um, uh, anything with vitamins, so fruits, vegetables, you have vitamins in meat as well. So, you know, fish, meat, uh, vegetables, fruits would be the basis for your diet and water. Our brain is made of 80% water. We need hormones, but we need, especially for those who choose not to have, to go with hormones and estrogen, estradiol. Uh, think about nourishing your brain. Uh, there is this book that I talk about. It's my favorite book. It's from Lisa Mosconi, mm-hmm. and I share it right and left. It's called um, uh, It's called uh, Mind Food, and it's just brilliant. And it bring and it dissects things out. You need your, your minerals. You need your vitamins. You need them from Whole Foods. So the Mediterranean diet is generally, yeah. yeah, again, that could be spices. Uh, if you want some French cheese, you know, have your French cheese, it's just fine because you need your cultural, you need something that is going to continue to make you feel like you belong to your tribe wherever you're coming from. So it's okay to have pleasure, mm. we don't have to live in pain, but knowing pain we can integrate pleasure so that, and and people who are actually contributing to your growth. So nutrition and people, I think uh, uh, we need to, and I have eliminated a fair amount of people uh, have you really? around that time. Yes. Yeah, I have, yeah. I did not know it was that, but I could not stand being, you know, walking on eggshells with some, with some people. And I had to, I had to step some boundaries. So yeah. boundaries, nutrition, healthy people, healthy relationship. And, uh, and that's
1: so helpful, Natalie. So, so it? you, it is and particularly this piece around relationships and boundaries. I think that's another sort of piece we can dive into another time. So it touches um, into
2: work as well, because as sure. we want to, you know, have make, make, make enough money to survive and to, and to, to thrive. They mm-hmm. want to be able to establish all of this in the workplace mm-hmm. as well
1: what I the piece that I find really interesting about relationships and boundaries as you brought up so so it's it's healthy people healthy relationships nutrition boundaries would sort of be your primary yeah, you ask things three, to focus four, on yes yes yes
2: mm-hmm. but and I, can I only get to it after I've done the life review the life review and people and we've left and we 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 established trust yeah and it takes a few sessions
1: sure of course about, you know, and it's I, 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 this is, it's what's very helpful. I exercise. think for all of us, I forgot about yes, exercise, exercise, exercise. Of yeah, very important. What I think is particularly helpful here for all of us is to sort of, um, and, you know, and whether maybe you start with, with journaling or working with you or whatever it is to sort of consider what this life review is, um, what it looks like, what have been your hurdles, your challenges, your griefs um and then you know obviously i think working <laughs> working with you would be helpful to kind of unpack these things but then um sort of buoying yourself with healthy relationships nutrition boundaries exercise that would be a, a really self-care. nice formula that it's, is self care that is
2: pure self care and and self-care can be many forms, you know, to conclude on, on also on, on what the subject you had uh, drawn for us. Mm-hmm. The self-care is not just the superficial thing. I'm going to paint my nail. There's nothing wrong with painting your nails. Sure. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's look beyond the superficial and what you look because like I lift weight. Mm-hmm. This has cured, honestly, a year ago i could not walk Mm. now i lift weight and it has really helped me and Mm -hmm. i can walk and run now Mm -hmm. so it's not and i don't lift weight to look pretty i want to be happy i want to feel good
1: yeah yeah it's
2: all connected the brain and the body movements letting go of of being stuck um going through traumatic things and, and trying to um Manage the pain. I mean, there's a lot of pain around.
1: Right? Yeah, the, there is a lot but of the, pain But the
2: other side of pain <clears throat> is joy. The other yeah. side of pain is pleasure. And we somehow cannot get to living a meaningful life, deep, beautiful, with beautiful mm. people and emotions without having experienced something.
1: To it to is. kind of circle back to the beginning of our conversation, to I think what's very encouraging, what I hope people sort of walk away with from our conversation is the, the capacity, the availability that we have to sort of work through these things of the past, these things have sort of um, defined and, and what we think maybe dictated our lives to date don't have to remain that way. And there's a, there's a, uh, there are things and tools available to us that can help us reframe, let go of, and move forward um, with all of the pleasure and joy that that you yeah. have seen. Um, Natalie, what is next for you? Anything? I know you're working with people. Do you have any research going on? Any Anything that you want to share with us? Well,
2: I actually have my first full-day workshop because I couldn't do anything during the pandemic. Mm. Last year, there was still, you know, people were still not quite uh, warm over this. Sure. Uh, I have a a live. It's going to be in person, and it's in Connecticut. So it's in New Haven, Mm -hmm. Connecticut. And it's an in-person workshop um, from like 10.30 to 5 p.m., six and a half days, including lunch and where i tackle the the mindfulness and menopause uh the health and menopause uh mary jane minkin dr mary Mm -hmm. jane minkin the mary jane minkin is going to be there and talk about you know the medical treatments what's available and what's recommended what's to look into how to advocate Uh, we're going to talk about food uh, diet food and menopause so i will have a menopause friendly lunch um, oh, great. Okay. And there will be uh, fitness and uh, there will be uh, fitness and um, menopause. And the f- last one will be where I have trainers um, who would come and talk about the brain great. and body relationship. And I'll finish with the psychology of menopause to bring people, you know, just bring, send them home mm. with that hopefulness that it's going to be okay, that the brain, will adapt and it's been difficult in our generation because of all the stress um women have been going through menopause when they lived long enough you know for for, for as long as we know except that they used they didn't used to live that long
0: right
2: Right. Uh, and when they did i don't think they had my interpretation i don't think they had as much stress as our Mm -hmm. generations modern life has changed um, the way we, we, we heal and we, and, and, and I think we can do that. I mean, we've learned from uh, the past. We've learned from our grandmothers. Um, we'll, and we are learning together, which for me, like three years ago, no one was talking about it. And now there is so much synergy and exchanges and, um, it gives me hope.
1: Yeah. Um, Natalie, where can people find you? Your website, your, where's, how can people reach you? Should they? Should
2: it's they, very, uh, it actually, they, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, the website. The best way is just to Google my name. So, Natalie okay. Bonafé, you'll find my nataliebonafe.com website that is devoted to menopause transition and really women's health and menopause transition around the subject we talked about today. Uh, I do have uh, uh, another. Um, another website devoted to end of life and grief support but for today nataliebonafé.com and uh, i have free videos with uh, dr rice um you know just just watch them um yeah. just learn and ask questions and uh, you can have for, contact me through my web page uh, saying you know are you interested in working with me uh, and i'll give you more details
1: Um, Natalie, thank you for, uh, I think you're, you're sort of, um, you're clearly in alignment to be doing the work that you do, you making this connection, um, in midlife and beyond to, to the end of our lives as we know it. And thank you for making space for all of us during this season, sort of really, I keep using this phrase, but coming alongside people who are, um, struggling certainly um mentally emotionally physiologically and looking for a way out looking for a way to the other side so thank the you the other side is shinier. It is, it is shinier it is shinier it is shinier and there's a lot there's a lot of murky to get through but we can do it oh. and and providing space for for people to you know come together individually or collectively like we're doing here it and thank it you for doing what you're
2: doing Thank
1: Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you everybody who is here today. I'm so grateful always to see you. Thank you, Natalie. Good to meet you. Thank
2: you. Likewise. Bye -bye.
1: Bye -bye. Bye Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our perimenopause. What the F podcast, the perimenopause journey can be lonely and it doesn't have to be that way. Make sure to download our free Perry app to connect with perimenopause warriors in the same stage of life. See you next time, Perry sisters.